Welcome back to the MLS Net Boys podcast. We are back in full effect. I am here with Jacob, also producer Isaac. How are you doing though, Jacob? I'm great. First show back, both hosts, producer in the building. Chase was in St. Louis. I was a little farther away in Gabon in Africa, home of Denny Bawanga. But Man, man's been taking our FM save real serious and went to go do some scouting. Yeah, I had, had to do some scouting and make sure I had some, some proper footballers on my Toronto FC save. <laughs> we need all the help we can get. But, uh, you know, MLS season's like third of the way through now. We're kind of cruising now. It's kind of hard to believe. Dude, took a third of the season for Sporting Kansas City and Montreal to figure out how to play soccer. <laughs> Montreal looking, we'll get into it, but Montreal looking good. I think that's six wins in a row for them after that awful start. But that's that's why we love MLS. Like, Dude, you, all, you have all... these teams, and it's crazy. You got a team that's just getting crushed and winless and losing games 5-0, and now they're on a six-game win streak. All they had to do was just drop Kamal Miller, dude. That trade now looking like a genius move on their part. You know, and Bryce Duke is looking looking good in that. Kind He's, of giving him the giving him the keys to to run the offense. Kind of reminds me of Mihailovic. He came over in a trade. You know, he was good prospect, but not really utilized to the full effect. And then he kind of starts running the show, and he gets a big move to Europe. Maybe Bryce Duke gets the same. Could be the move. Could be the move. Let's let's jump right into some some LNS scores. I won't talk about the U.S. Open Cup because there's some <laughs> some big teams in here like Monterey Bay and Pittsburgh Riverhounds. Is the San Diego Loyal still there? Or are they just going to be demolished as a club since they're going to put a new MLS team in there? I hate that, but I don't want to get into it. Moving on to the first game of the week. And it's a featured MLS Heineken rivalry week matchup of Chicago hosting St. Louis. Coincidentally, Chicago hosted St. Louis in the Open Cup three days before this. Chicago won the Open Cup game, and now they win the the league game 1-0. And first league game with Ezra Hendrickson gone, Frank Klopas at the helm. Looking like St. Louis has been found out. They they've been ter- they've been on a bad run of form. I think it was I, I don't know like one win in five or six games now for seven them. now. That's crazy. Crazy they- stat I saw. Sporting Kansas City has won more games in the last <laughs> two weeks than uh, St. Louis has in the last like month. That's crazy. St. St. Louis looking like they need a little bit of a change, and they kind of did it. They changed up their formation just a little bit this game. But they were not ready for Jordan Shakiri to just come out of his tomb and actually like play soccer for once. Yeah, and it makes you wonder what, because yeah, he's looked like a different player since Frank Klopas has been back. Which is another thing about him. This is his third stint in charge of the Chicago Fire. I saw he was he's been a coach for them now during all three like like brandings of the Chicago, like their original design, that weird fire crown thing they had for like two seasons and then now this current design so you know what i like to think is that they just you know what they did to like han solo and star wars or they just put him in like a like a the carbonite <laughs> yeah they just do that to frank Klopas every time they get a new coach <laughs> and they just wait till they need him again yeah it's weird because like 
I don't know. I think he was an assistant coach, so I think that's like the easy the easy in. And he seems like credit to him. He's like a loyal servant to the club because like he'll just be an assistant coach, and then they'll find a new guy, and he'll just you know he'll come from an interim tag back to an assistant coach. He kind of knows his place, but good win for good week for Chicago. Actually, you know, two two big wins over St. Louis. They advanced in the cup, but let's keep going. This was a crazy result. Atlanta sliding still. They lose 3-1 at home to Charlotte. Justin Merrim with a brace. And some people are saying Gonzalo Pineda's on the hot seat. What do you think? Rightfully so, man. I mean, with the squad that they have, they should be performing a lot better. I know they you know, they were missing um, Giamakis and they were missing Almada a couple games. They haven't been at full strength, but... I mean, still, with the squad they have and the fan base they have for their home games, like, they should absolutely be performing better. So, definitely deservedly in the hot seat, but good on Charlotte, man. Finally picking up a, a good player in Justin Miram. You know, a proven <laughs> MLS just quantity there. You know, I it's interesting to me because this is kind of like a revenge game too. Cause remember it was like third week of the season. I think Atlanta visited Charlotte, beat him three nil at home. And it was like the exact opposite vibes. Like Atlanta started really hot and things were looking good, but man, it just hasn't been it lately. I want to point out their striker, Luis Arajo. I, I, maybe he's playing on the wing for Atlanta. I'm not sure, but they signed him from Lille after they won the title in in the French league. And, you know, people thought this was going to be a big signing for him, but he's scored 10 goals since 2021 for Atlanta. And he just hasn't, like, we talk about other DPs not producing, like how Shakiri was disappointing, how Camille Jaswiak was disappointing for Charlotte. This guy has been a major disappointment, in my opinion. And I think a lot of fans are taking note of that. I've seen a lot of angry Atlanta fans on Twitter. Well... Have you taken a look at his progressive carries <laughs> per 90 yet? I have not. Statman Chase is going to set me in my place, apparently. That's no, all right. We'll save that for another podcast. We're crunched on time today. <laughs> all I will say, though, is he's in the top 3% of successful take-ons in the league right now. Despite that, <laughs> maybe expecting more from your one of your big money signings. Columbus hosting Orlando City. Columbus blows a two-goal lead at home. Nagby and Russell Rogan on the board in the first half. It's looking good. You know, Columbus is controlling. But Orlando City finds a way. Uh, Cara, their striker, who's been kind of facing scrutiny from his Orlando City fans, gets a goal. And then Duncan McGuire gets a goal in the 90th minute to tie it up. I've seen on some other people saying Duncan McGuire, this rookie striker they got right out of college, he's got four goals now in like a third of the MLS season. And he's a big striker too. Maybe this is like Daryl DK, like just another spawn of him pretty much. Yeah, it's it's been interesting because both of their, their strikers are both of their strikers are heating up like right at the same time, man. Like definitely a good problem to have if you're Oscar Pereja, having two guys who are just, like, red hot up top right now. Yeah, uh, and I think for Orlando, much-needed point for optimism because things were looking, things aren't looking good in Orlando. They've had a lot of disappointing results after they had a really good offseason, most people agreed on, and 
just results haven't come their way. But we're going to go to D.C. United hosting Nashville, a 1-1 draw. And I believe Benteke, Benteke was out of this game for D.C. United. And on the flip side, Walker Zimmerman was out for Nashville and a point apiece. Yeah, I didn't I didn't get a chance to catch this game at all, but it just looked like a boring game to watch. <laughs> so Alex Moyle scores for Nashville in the 74th, 73rd minute, and it was just a scrappy FIFA goal, just pings around in the box. I think somebody cleared it off of Alex Moyle, and it just ricocheted into their own net. But then a nice combination from a couple homegrown players for DC to get the, the tying goal in the 83rd. Rooney's... He's got like a youth movement going up, which is cool to see for DC because you don't really think about DC as a like a club that's really a producing club. But you know, Kevin Paredes left last season, and Rooney's got a lot of these guys playing, so it's cool to see. That's a that's an interesting kind of. I haven't really thought about it that way, but when you kind of think about Rooney and his legacy at DC, I mean, as a player, he kind of left his legacy, and then as a coach, everybody knows he's not going to stick there long. So that's kind of a cool move for him, like bring a lot of these young guys into the fold, give them like a, a good coaching experience from a guy who's done it all, and then kind of leave DC in a bright spot if he does leave at the end of this year or next year. Here's the storyline. The DC United homegrowns win Rooney the coveted MLS Cup title he could not attain in his playing career. He's going to get them all transferred to Manchester United. You mean Derby? They're going to be the future. <laughs> Of the Premier League. Next up, Inter-Miami, 2-1 at home win over New England. That's three wins, I believe, on the bounce for Miami after losing six in a row. Gary Neville was definitely on the hot seat, but maybe shifting the tide. David Ruiz, the young homegrown player, opens the scoring and then gets a red card for Miami. (laughs) And then Yosef Martinez gets another goal, another week in, um, for Miami to give them the win. However, some controversy. I don't know if you saw, but... That Noel Buck goal? That Noel Buck goal, which was solid. But apparently, he... I believe another player was, quote-unquote, obstructing Drake Callender's view, the goalkeeper from Miami. So it didn't count, but Bruce Arena and his typical Bruce Arena self was very animated in his post-game quotes and talking about how it was... The call didn't make sense, and I tend to agree, but let's not take away from Miami getting another win here over, I think, what most people would say is the best team, or at least top two team in the East in New England. Yeah, I mean, they're they're in the the lead for the Supporters' Shield still, even after this loss, but um, also, David Ruiz, you said, like you said, he got a goal, he also assisted Joseph Martinez's goal, and then he got a red card, so youngster finally got the call up to the first team got his opportunity and he showed that he can do it all that's right so next up montreal hosting toronto this is another game that they played midweek in their domestic cup in the canadian championship montreal wins again they won the the game in toronto in the cup and now they win 2-0 at home against toronto and man toronto looks like garbage and then toronto <laughs> Marshall Ruddy, the the FM legend for me <laughs> and for a lot of people, gets a red card in the 56th minute for just a silly foul where he just like throws the ball like 
on the other teams throwing. But what's going on in Toronto? Yeah, I saw. I think it was like a it was a second yellow for time wasting or something when his team was already losing and he was already on a yellow card. But yeah, Toronto just looks terrible, man. It looks like they've just run out of ideas. They don't know what to do. Bob Bradley, I don't know, like. At this point, do you get rid of Bob Bradley or do you commit to him after, I mean, you've given him all the resources and they've kind of invested in having this, I don't know, kind of going forward with a Bob Bradley identity for their club. So, yeah, they're in a a tough place right now. You look at the money they're spending and it's just things can't be this bad for a team that spends this much money. I saw because the MLS player's salary just came out recently and i think they have like by position three of the most expensive players per position in the league insignia bernadeschi and richie larea which are three of their best players obviously but i mean i don't know you can't in my opinion you shouldn't be spending that much money and being this poor performing i think it's important to note too bradley's been out and maybe bradley's showing like he really kind of holds this team together like people meme on him but I mean, his leadership, you can't deny like he's a leader for a lot of these Toronto teams. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's You can't, I, I mean, you can kind of meme on him, like you said. Easy to <laughs> easy to kind of dismiss him, but definitely seems like they have a gap in the midfield. But, I mean, can't dismiss Montreal, though. I, I, was, I was really high on this team at the beginning of the year, and they were terrible, and they've just kind of had this resurgence, and they are now comfortably in a playoff spot right now chase back with in seventh place high iq prediction right there so good for, yeah good for montreal let's not just focus on toronto they had a they have a, a really good stretch of form another rivalry game new york red bulls as chase takes a sip of a red bull energy drink yes sir beating new york city fc 1-0 and omir fernandez gets the goal Watch some of this, and another team that just fired their coach gets the the new coach bounce, gets a 1-0 win over the rival. I totally missed that last week. Like, I talked about the Ezra Hendrickson firing, and then I, like, I was sitting here, like, kind of talking, and I was, like, thinking about what I was going to do next, and I was like, there was some other coach fired, and I I spaced it while I was recording, and then as soon as I finished, I was like, dude, I missed, like, it it was, like, more of a mutual, like, departure. Yeah. Because uh, everybody knew Gerhard Struber wanted to go back to Europe, and he was just kind of using Red Bulls as like a stepping stone. Um, seemed like it happened a little bit sooner than everybody wanted. But New York Red Bulls, though, looking pretty good under Troy Lesane so far. Yeah, winning the Open Cup and then win against your big rivals. I mean, they can only go up because they were last in the East when they fired Struber, but... That's a disappointing one for New York City. I want to point out, I saw this meme, and it was like, I don't know if this was at this game, but it was at one of these, like, New York Derby games, and it was a picture, I think it was, I forget which way it was, I think it was, like, a New York City fan who had a flag of, like, a blue hand, like, like punching, like, the Red Bull logo, and it was, like, end corporate like football or something like that and people were just memeing on it online because it's city football group just supposedly like crushing i don't that maybe people didn't see the irony the the new york city fans but mls meme twitter did that's hilarious that that has to be like they had to have been like aware of what they were doing 
I would hope. That's MLS iceberg material right there. One one side note about this game before we move on to the next one. MLS villain Jared Stroud's younger brother, Peter Stroud, came into the game for the New York Red Bulls. And I will say he looked he looked good for a young lad coming into the game. Peter Stroud, come on the podcast. <laughs> Just talk about how your brother bullied you. <laughs> Another rivalry game. Austin FC hosting FC Dallas. Jesus Ferreira won goal, and FC Dallas wins 1-0. Ferreira strikes in the 89th minute. This is one of our predicted games. I forgot to cover the other ones, but, yeah, I predicted 2-1 for Dallas. Chase predicted 1-1, so I get the point for getting the result right. But Dallas, big win, big win on the road at your rival, and we were talking about this last or a few weeks ago, but Dallas just quietly gets these solid points in like a lot of these games. I mean, Austin hasn't been the best team this year, but it's a hard place to play and like rivalry games are tough. So I think Austin's like winless in like eight games now or something, which is crazy. But also, did you see Jesus Ferreira's celebration? I was just going to bring it up. I hate how. Man, it, it annoys me how much people just hate on this guy because man scores a goal against his like his local rival. Like, there's, like Austin fans are pretty fierce, and like he gets a late winner and he just takes off his jersey, and people are people are clowning on this guy for no reason. I think nobody could ever do that same celebration like Messi. Like, so it, it, for anybody who doesn't know, he he celebrated the same way Messi celebrated when he scored an El Clasico against Real Madrid by taking his jersey off and holding it up with his name showing to the crowd. And uh, I think that it was such like an iconic, messy moment that if anybody ever tries to do it in MLS or any other like not equivalent league or, you know, in like a Euro snob mine, they're just going to like meme on that person no matter what. Yeah, I mean... Like, that makes sense to me, but, like, at the same time, people do, like, the Ronaldo celebrate. Like, yeah, imitation I, I agree. is, I, like, the most sincere form of flattery, like people say. And I don't know. He I, scores a big game, goal in a big game. I don't see a problem with it. I don't have a problem with the, with the celebration. I thought it was pretty cool. It, also, I, I heard some crazy stat. Like, that guy owns, like, Q2 Stadium. Seven like goals and five games there. Yeah, and that includes like international games there as well. So every time he just goes to Austin, man, just like turns up. Man is gonna turn up against Saint Vincent and the Grenadines in the <laughs> in the Gold Cup qualifiers next next round <laughs> when they have like their like their Secretary of State playing or something for him. Like... <laughs> That's some good Concacaf lore right there. Um, Another game that just really ticked me off on a fine Saturday evening was Houston versus Seattle. So Timbers, my favorite team, my second favorite team is whoever's playing Seattle. So I was a big <laughs> Houston fan this weekend. And Houston's been good at home. They hadn't conceded a goal. I think they were win they won every game except for they drew one previous to this. But just Houston shoots themselves in the foot. I mean, Bossy gets a red card. Hector Herrera gets a red card. So they're playing with nine men. Played with ten men for most of the game. And then there was another foul that should have been a red card, honestly. It should have been 8v11 at the end of this game. Regardless, Seattle was piling on the pressure. I think they had about 70% possession at one point. And they just couldn't get they couldn't get a quality chance on goal. And they were they've been dealing with injuries too. Roldan, Rui Diaz, knew who's been out. 
but they get a goal in the 87th minute, just a jammy, jammy goal from Paul Rothrock on loan from Tacoma. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of crazy. Like when I saw this goal, the thing that really hyped me up about it was, or this game was the fact that like it took Seattle until the 87th minute to score against a Houston Dynamo that was playing down a man and then down two men for like most of the game. Yeah, I think you can look at this two ways. You can say for Seattle, for Houston, just very careless gamesmanship. But for Seattle, you can look at the positive and say, hey, these guys are top of the West. They're dealing with injuries. They didn't look their greatest, and they still got three points on the road in Texas, which is hard always. Or you could say, man, why isn't this like Seattle of like the beginning of the year where they would have scored like four goals on this team and like put this to put this to bed? But I think it depends on how you look at it, if you're an optimist or not. I agree. Next, Kansas City, Sporting Kansas City, 3-0 at home over Minnesota United. Dude, what the heck is going on? PV is just back in the building, dude. Peter <laughs> Vermees just turning back up, silencing the doubters. I still think he should be fired. Um, but also, I mean, Minnesota just... They need a number nine so bad, dude. They need a they need somebody. They need Reynoso to come back. They need a striker. I don't know. Speaking of Reynoso, I saw he was just cleared today, the day we're recording this. So he'll resume team activity. I don't know when he'll play, but he wasn't even allowed to train with the team. Um I I think he'll appear pretty quickly from what I mean, I was listening to the Extra Time podcast and uh there's that Kaylin Kyle, like one of the commentators for MLS, um, and her father in law is Adrian Heath, the Minnesota United coach, and she was saying when she spoke with him that they were all they were doing was just waiting on the league to get him back in. So be interesting locker room. You know, a guy who just hasn't turned up at all for like whole preseason and everything, and then all of a sudden just coming back and just right back into the starting lineup most likely yeah it'll be interesting yes uh minnesota missed a penalty too i believe that would have either tied it or would have given him a goal when it was two nil um but yeah sporting kansas city man look at these guys just turning it up in may but let's move on colorado hosting philly union and this was a weird game due to the end of it but philly wins 2-1 over Colorado and Chase why don't you tell us what what the heck happened here so into the game balls balls kind of rolling out it's like 97th minute so it's already towards the end of stoppage time and Andre Blake goes to shield it and as he's doing that uh, Michael Barrios shoves him down and he kind of you know makes the most of it flops and hits the advertisement board and then just all just chaos just takes over here dude it was it was insane just like players running down the field people like getting shoved people getting ran over it's just it was absolute chaos i was watching like the mls like review show and i you, you just see like players just like shoving each other and getting like tackled on the ground yeah it was nuts dude it, this this was the epitome of rivalry week and there was no rivalry here you like know, these are two teams that play each other maybe once a year you know absolutely what this was this was there's two ways i'm gonna spin this this is the either the keegan rosenberry <laughs> rivalry keegan rosenberry former philly now at colorado or we can go same same career path although a different end result the austin trusty rivalry austin trusty philly homegrown 
goes to Colorado is solid and then somehow gets bought by Arsenal because of the Stan Kroenke connection, I'm assuming. But man knew he had to go to a big club if he wanted to move to Europe, <laughs> so he went to Colorado. That's right. The, it's a solid club right there, dude. Love the Rapids. Next up, also in the Rocky Mountain area, we have LAFC visiting Salt Lake RSL. And LAFC... <laughs> LAFC bounces back. They they lost to San Jose last week. They got CCL final on their mind, but they win 3-0 at RSL. Dennis Buanga had a screamer. The man from Gabon, just outside of the box, weak foot, slots it upper 90. I don't even want to talk about them anymore, dude. It's so boring. It's not. It's so boring. I just, I hate seeing this because it's just like, to me, seeing LAFC the way they're performing... Like, it can go two ways. Like, it can really elevate the league, which it probably will on the global scale. But to me, it just seems like the downfall of MLS. Just, like, so much money. Just so much, like, I feel like they're going to enter this period of dominance. They literally went in the, like, U.S. Open Cup and just played their youth team and beat, like, uh, like, a solid USL team. Didn't have to worry about it. Didn't have to play, like, really any starters. And then they just came into this game and rolled over RSL. See, I I completely agree. However, I'm going to be cautionally optimistic because it's been a long time since we've seen a team in MLS like dominate season to season. I think the last one I can think of is the like 2011-12 LA Galaxy teams who won like 3 out of 4 um MLS cups, but I feel like like, we've seen some dominant LAFC teams choke before in the playoffs, like that Shield-winning team in 2019. I think this is a better team, but I don't know. San Jose San Jose beat them. They've had some close calls, but, yeah, they're just getting points, and they're looking scary good. I hate it. I hate it. Let's <laughs> move on. Move on to the best game of the weekend where we had our player of the week. Sorry, player of the match day, as MLS says it, to appeal to the Euro snobs. But Portland wins 3-1 over Vancouver. Frank Bully with a goal and Evander with a with a nice brace uh, for Portland. Evander finally looking like the player a lot of people thought he would be. Yeah, he's he's been on fire. I think like the past few games it's been like, three goals, two assists or something. But yeah, I mean, that's just, that's what you expect when you like how our whole team has shifted. Now we're playing a way more attacking style. He isn't picking the ball up as deep in the field. And that's not what you want him to do. You want him up there, like pulling the strings. And that's why I like, you've seen this huge change in his form and he seems way happier playing now, which is interesting too, because yeah, that's what, when he was signed for Portland, we expected him to be like the next Diego Valeri, Blanco, like the the focal point of our offense, like our attacking midfielder. But he actually says himself he's he's more comfortable playing as a number eight, but it just wasn't translating to for Portland for whatever reason. But now he just has such quality. I think it just makes more sense for him to play further up the field. So he's looking really good. Yeah, that his his second goal of the night was nuts like the little maradona turn as he as he received it and then slotted it home and then went for the hat trick off the corner did you see that went for the olympico off the corner he was about to be subbed out waved off the sub said no i'm staying on i'm gonna take this corner and then almost catches uh or how's it's their 
Takalka. Takalka. I, I always get his name wrong. Almost caught him off his line. That would have been quite the way to seal the first ever Timbers hat trick. Nut stat as well. But Vancouver, they were, I believe, six games unbeaten. So this isn't a easy Vancouver team to beat. So that's a really solid win for Portland. Yeah. But last game of the weekend is going to be the Galaxy. LA Galaxy hosting San Jose. And they went 2-1. Dejan Jovalich was the hero. He subs in, almost immediately scores a goal, and it's 2-0. But then San Jose scores on almost the last kick of the game. So this is another prediction game for us. Chase went for a big 3-0 win for San Jose. I went for a 2-2 draw, so neither of us got any points for this. So... I've been high on San Jose. Dude, both the teams I talked about last week is like going to be pushing up the table. These dark horses just like immediately lose. Just immediately lost. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't know. I mean, LA, I don't know. I think they're going to be a yo-yo team for the rest of the year, just up and down form. But San Jose, I don't think I should be too discouraged from this. It, yeah. was, it was interesting watching. I kind of watched bits and pieces of this game, and LA is kind of shifting the way they're they're playing now. I'm like, Ricky Pooj is, like, shifting out wide a lot and just kind of whipping balls into the box. He was very wide. I didn't notice that, too. And I think it was Greg Vanny said, like, the big thing was, like, defensively they were a lot more solid. They've, their defense has been their Achilles heel this year. And they just – it, it kind of clicked this last game. So I think it's encouraging for the Galaxy. We'll see if they'll sustain it. But – also, San Jose didn't have Cade Cowell for this game, so that's a that's a big blow for them going forward. Cade Cowell on international duty, but that's that's this week in MLS. Now we're gonna do a little bit of a what would you call this predictions or we got I don't know if it's predictions inquiring. per se, but we're with with two recent head coaching opportunities coming up in MLS. We wanted to give. Our thoughts on who would be good fits for these teams. So, Chicago has a head co- head coach spot open, and so does New York Red Bulls. What, what team do you think we should start with? Let's go all in on Chicago Fire. Chicago Fire. So, we, we discussed this beforehand, and we both decided we were going to come up with two options. We we're going to come up with a domestic option. And then, uh, you know, like a foreign coach option. So so we're going to have four candidates for each one. So we're not going to go super, super in-depth. But a little bit of a little bit of a yeah, just spitting some names out, seeing if they'd be a good fit. Projecting, not all of these, at least mine, are super realistic. They're more ones I think would be fun. There are some connections, but not just purely realistic. These are who I think will go to these clubs. Fair enough. All right, so we're going Chicago first. Let's go with, who was your, your domestic option for Chicago? Domestic option, this name has been floated around. This one I do think is realistic, so ignore everything I just said. But <laughs> Jim Curtin, last year of his contract at Philly, I feel like maybe he's, it sounds weird to say he's achieved everything he could because he's come up short in literally every big game he's played in for Philly, but he's really turned around that franchise and the youth looks good. They play some of the best soccer in the league. They have a lot of homegrowns. Like, they're an exciting team to watch. However, last I heard, they weren't close to agreeing to a new deal. He's, I think, kind of declined saying he wants to be a part of the national team setup. 
So I can see him going to Chicago and really turning around the franchise. So I agree. I think that is the best domestic option. But the only thing is, is Jim Curtin has said he wants to coach in Europe. So I think that's kind of the pathway he's starting to move towards. I decided to go with Oscar Pereja from Orlando. Orlando fans have been on him. He's been in the hot seat lately with with the way their form has been. And I could see, I, I mean, I would approach Jim Curtin first, but if that doesn't happen, I would maybe start going to Oscar Pereja. That guy is really good with youth prospects. He could help build up some of those young guys they have coming through, and he has a really clear identity of how he wants to play. So if you could weasel him out of, out of Orlando, you could use him as a centerpiece to build your club up. Honestly, either one of those I think would be a massive get for for the Chicago Fire. How about how about a foreign foreign prospect chase? All right, so this is a, this is a little of a little bit of a tricky one here. So this could be also considered a domestic option, but this this manager his last game he managed was in Qatar, and this man is a fan of a bounce pass. <laughs> I'm going with Greg Bearhalter. He's actually lives in Chicago too, so I don't know. So I I I thought Greg Bearhalter because he's he's obviously out of the job, still in the running for the national team job again. I don't think he's gonna get it. And looking for a club position, I mean, what better place than Chicago? He's he's familiar with the area. Um, he's proven himself in MLS, and he obviously has a clear identity for his teams. And he he's. He's tried it with the national team, and you can see he really plays an attractive style, likes to possess the ball. Um, So I could see him going to like a big market team like Chicago where they have some money to spend and really turning that franchise around. That that would be honestly a good hire for them. I think, yeah, he's been solid in MLS. You know, we both said like his game translates more to like the club level of things. I think I heard... I think Alexi Lawless was saying like the Galaxy should throw a bunch of money at him too, which I think would be another yeah, smart Yeah, I could team see that. If the Vanny experiment doesn't work out. Mine, I went a little bit of a different approach, and this is more of a projection. However, Chase is a Liverpool fan, so I have to bring this one up, <laughs> although he's going to cringe at it. Jurgen Klopp, come to the <sighs> Chicago Fire, build this team into a powerhouse. I remember the beginning of the season when Liverpool wasn't doing as good. And no, I don't think he'll come to MLS. I think he'll stay in Europe. But, man, if they got like Tata Martino, who wasn't on the same level as Jurgen Klopp, but MLS has shown they can get a bigger name manager that has a European pedigree that could stay in Europe. I don't know. I feel like I, I don't think it'll happen, like I said, but man... If Chicago threw a ton of money at this guy, made him have like whatever he could want, I feel like he could bring in some big names. Chicago is a city that's pretty world renowned. And then bring in Robert Lewandowski (laughs) to the Chicago Fire. He's 34 years old. He's not going to be playing in Europe forever. Chicago has a massive Polish population. It just makes too much sense. Chicago, you got to hire Jacob to be your new sporting director. This guy gets the job done. Dude, can you imagine just like Jurgen Klopp coaching, just going absolutely nuts on the sideline? They score a goal and he runs to the Foaming field. at the mouth. Goes just... and celebrates with Chris Brady at the other end <laughs> while all the other guys are on the other side of the field. Dude, I... I, I honestly, that would be 
if they could pull that off, that would be a huge move, and I think that would completely turn their franchise around. Chicago, for for the size of their market, is probably the most underwhelming franchise in the league. They're the third biggest market. They've been such a like a not notable club for so long. They're trying to like they've been making these moves. They moved to Soldier Field to go back into the city. They've tried to rebrand twice now. They're getting fan input. They're trying to sign players and develop players at a higher level. They're trying to become a bigger franchise. It's just every time they it looks like they're taking a step forward, it's just like it ends up being two steps backward. But man, bring this guy in and have him turn around the club. I agree. I mean, if you could do that, that would be amazing. So moving on, we got New York Red Bulls next. What do you want? Do you want to go with the the domestic option first? I think we may have picked the same guy here. I'm not sure. <laughs> domestic option. So I'm gonna do kind of two because my other one is kind of both, but I won't talk about him much. Jesse Marsh. This guy was very successful at Red Bulls. He knows the ideology. Hasn't signed for a new club yet. It's been a few months now. I don't know, man. I can see him just sticking in the Red Bull football group until another bigger bigger job comes his way. But more realistically, because I don't think that'll happen, Caleb Porter. Caleb Porter to New York Red Bulls. Caleb Porter plays an attractive style of soccer. I don't know how it would translate to the roster and what Red Bulls have got. But he's another guy who knows the league. He's won two MLS Cups, sandwiched in between a lot of years of not making the playoffs. <laughs> but he has shown like he can win in this league. Yeah, I agree. That that would be a solid move for them. I don't know how it'll translate to that roster or the Red Bulls style, but I think that would be a huge move for him in his career, getting him some more exposure to like a global scale. Um, I decided to go with their current head coach now who took over as the interim manager, Troy Lassane. So this guy, they brought in, he was a USL coach. He coached at New Mexico United, um, brought him in kind of to be an assistant coach. And it was quoted, they, they wanted him just to get into the Red Bull football group because they really liked him as a young manager. He's got really good ideas. He's a great coach. So they decided to bring him in just to help develop him. And it seems like their plan was to give him the head coach position eventually, but it happened a little bit faster than they expected. So I think they'll make it permanent, and I think he's going to be really good for them. He kind of brings a little bit of a different style than most of the Red Bull managers, though. He's not as high pace. Um, he's a little bit more slower. It kind of calms the game down with the, his style. So I, I don't know. I could see him sticking around there, and I think he'd be a great option for them. They could build him up, um, eventually You know, move him on to one of their other clubs, but... Seems very Red Bulls to keep a young manager and just develop him. I think in the offseason, they're going to send him out, you know, to Europe and have him watch trainings at Salzburg and Leipzig and learn under those guys. Yeah, I, th- that's definitely what I see happening if he if he has a solid year. Um, for my foreign coach, it was funny. The guy who I literally had picked literally just like last night I think was named the coach of Uruguay, the national <laughs> team. But Marcelo Bielsa was who I was going to say. He had been, I think it's, I mean, he was last coach at Leeds. So it's been a long time since he's been with a man. Would, man would be electric in MLS. Exactly. I would just love to see it. 
I, I'm curious to see how he does in, like, South America with all these, like, cage match, like, qualifying games <laughs> he's going to play. But I'm going to go with Tata Martino, Mexican Ooh. national team manager who has not been renewed with Mexico. Um, disappointing tenure with Mexico, but coach Argentina, coach Barcelona, Newell's old, old boys, but has experience in the league as well. Two really, really good years with Atlanta United, and he just, I mean, it was the players too, but they dominated. Like, they they won the MLS Cup, but, like, those games where they had, they were just, like, running teams to the ground, and just, it was electric, and he's played high-pressing systems before, heavily attacking. I, I would love to see, like, Red Bulls bring in somebody like Tata Martino and then he can bring in some of his his players that he has like an eye on and he's familiar with. I I could see that happening honestly and I think that'd be a huge move for them. I I, I don't think we've ha- really had any bad choices so far as any of these managers but for my foreign manager I went with Ralph Hassenhudel who is the former Southampton manager. He was let go halfway through the season. Uh, Southampton haven't been good past couple years, but it's not necessarily because of him. It's been more so like a lack of investment from the club. And when you kind of looked at what he was building there and a lot of the, uh, a lot of the like performances he was getting out of some of the players there, he's a great coach. Um, just not a good fit for him at Southampton. Uh, he's already been in the Red Bull group coached at Leipzig um so he's got the red bull identity already kind of down he's like learned under a lot of like the um you know who's i'm trying to think of his name the guy that went uh went to united as like their caretaker manager ralph ragnick yeah he learned under ralph ragnick um he you know coached alongside like julian nogglesman guys like that so he's got like the red bull identity he knows how to do it and he's obviously at like a low in his management career right now after getting let go from southampton and they're currently bottom of the premier league um i think he could come to mls and he could kind of slot right into the red bulls and just kind of continue to develop on that identity get back in with the red bull group help rebuild his identity as a manager and then possibly move on from there I would love to see MLS get more of those these these guys who coach like good teams in Europe, but kind of like you said, they're maybe at a low point because they have a a bad stretch and they're kind of coaches who are good, but these guys who maybe need like a a shot to rejolt their career. Kind of reminds me of what happened with Tato Martino. He was Argentinian coach, lost two straight Copa America finals with Argentina, and then resigned and. Went to Atlanta. Atlanta's paid a lot of money for him, but they really embraced him, and the fans loved him, and he got to, like, just run this electric team, and then he got another national team job. It didn't work out, but, yeah, I think any of those picks would be exciting. What I think will happen will be Red Bulls retains their interim guy if he performs, and then Chicago Fire's going <laughs> to they're gonna sign somebody like Vanny Sartini after he gets fired. Uh-huh. <laughs> No, I don't. I don't think they'll get Vanny Sartini, but I, I, I think he'll stick around at Vancouver for a while. I, I don't know. Hopefully, they listen to this podcast and they take our advice. Vanny Sartini, come on the show. <laughs> but wrapping up, we're gonna do a little bit of match predictions. Current scoreline is twenty-six to fourteen. I'm up Yikes. over Chase. 
It's funny. Chase Chase went ahead one week, and then I think you've got one point since then. And I've just it's been the up. past three weeks. We've predicted thirteen games, and I've gotten all of them wrong. I was ta- I was telling Jacob before the game. It's like I was flipping a coin like thirteen times, and I just called the wrong. Like I've called heads every time, and it's landed on tails. That's right. We got a lot of matches this week because there's Wednesday games this week in the league. However, we're going to do the Saturday games because we don't know when this podcast will go up. So starting off, a couple more rivalry games. We've got Rocky Mountain Cup coming to Colorado. Colorado hosting Rail Salt Lake. I'm going Colorado 1-0. I'm also going Colorado 2-1. I think they're kind of they're building something despite the loss against Philly last week. Good, good. So now Cascadia game. Vancouver Whitecaps hosting the Seattle Sounders. I'm going 3-1 Vancouver. I think Seattle's got a lot of injuries right now, and Vancouver's going to want to bounce back after that disappointing game versus Portland. This is going to seem like I'm just copying you so I can start putting some points on the board, but I'm going (laughs) 2-0 Vancouver. I think what happened against the Timbers is a little bit of a fluke. They weren't really prepared for our kind of different playing style that we've been implementing the past three games. Um, and I think they're going to go to Seattle and they're really going to, or they're playing in Vancouver. I think they're going to take it to Seattle though. Good shout. This is that maybe that's the Simon Betcher like come out game, but next we're going to end with Charlotte hosting Nashville Southern Southern matchup. I'm going Nashville one nil Walker Zimmerman should be back from injury. Anchor that defense. Haney Mook targets a goal. I'm going Charlotte 2-1. I think Charlotte's, they're building a lot of momentum here, and I think this is the type of game with their play style that matches up with Nashville. Nashville just wants to sit back and just ping the ball up to Hany Mukhtar, and, you know, I think that's not going to work against Bill Tulioma. <laughs> He's been very disappointing for them. I, I, I was this sad to see him come go, out game, dude. but... Do you don't think Justin Miram's gonna get the brace in that one? I think Justin Miram is gonna have a huge impact cutting in off the left, Dude, wherever he's coming from. This is the big matchup: Teal Bunbury firing on one side versus Justin Miram <laughs> opposing him. Who comes out? <laughs> Two guys that have been in the league like longer than anybody else. I feel like I've heard about Teal Bunbury for so long. Dude, I remember him on those like. Oh, like when Sporting Kansas City, I feel like, first opened up their stadium like over a decade ago. And he I, was like, I remember him just at like New England Revolution back when like Fagundes was there. And like they back when they actually had the guys firing off muskets in the stadium and stuff. Dude, I hate that. Did they get rid of that? I don't think they do it anymore. Man, that was actually a good tradition in the league. It fit with their brand. You know, what's the dumbest one in the league. The Columbus crew jackhammer thing where they just like destroy a slab of concrete for no reason uh what would be one tradition that you would implement anywhere in the league like a new one a new one if you could implement a tradition for any team what would it be this is a good this is a good topic actually we should do a more in-depth version of this off the very top of my head dude dc united they should have it's kind of weird because LAFC does something like this, but this is completely spur of the moment off my top of my head. LAFC does like a Falcon thing like before their game. Dude, DC United, they're in the capital of the USA. How do they not have some like bald eagle like landing celebration thing like before kickoff or like for a goal? What about you? 
That'd be pretty sweet. I don't know. I, I'm trying to think. I, the only one I can think of, and it's already kind of done in, like, Montreal does, like, the bell thing. I think that'd be pretty sweet in Philadelphia with, like, the Liberty Bell ben. that's there or whatever. I, dude, what about, what about the white, Vancouver Whitecaps? They they have a big, like, ice sculpture and somebody just hacks at it with a pickaxe. <laughs> that'd be pretty sweet. That, this is a this is a good topic for another day. This would be pretty cool. Like FC Dallas should just let a real actual live bull onto the field. <laughs> maybe maybe we'll we'll do that a little bit of that next time. We'll do a longer one, and then you know what topic that really excited me that we mentioned like second week. We were going to do like a a tribute kit for like different MLS cities for like yeah. a, a local a local person from the area, but. This has been episode 14 now of the MLS Net Boys show. So thanks, everybody, again for listening. Email us, mlsnetboys at (laughs) gmail.com. Chase, any words? (laughs) We still don't have any social. This is like the ideal podcast for, like, my grandparents. (laughs) Instead of saying, like, oh, hit us up on social media or, like, email us and send us letters at this P.O. box. (laughs) But... No, I don't. I don't have anything else to say. It was a fun week in MLS. Bring on, bring on the, bring on the League's Cup coming up, and LAFC's got Champions League. Open Cup is getting to the helm. Canadian Championship. A lot of games coming up, and lots of competitions. So, you spend one hundred fifty dollars a year to watch MLS on Apple TV, so you can be caught up in MLS. <laughs> yes, sir. Is that it? Is that, that all we got this week? That's all we got. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Keegan Hughes, come on the show.